Hey everybody, and thanks for coming back to Serial Zombie Mom. Um, I want to take a second and apologize for the last episode. Um, don't know really what was going on with me, and my, I think my brain was just kind of scattered everywhere. Um, a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety, a few things going on, I don't really know. But I was not exactly in the best mind frame. Um, I was losing kind of focus and, and getting off on the tangents a little more than I knew, normally do. Um, and just kind of want to apologize for that a little bit. Um, I guess I was kind of turning into a little bit of a basket case. Um, so today's is going to be a little bit different. Okay. Um, today, this episode is going to be a little bit more near and dear to my heart. Okay. This is the case of Yolanda Saldivar. You should know that name as she is the woman who unfortunately knocked down one of the most amazing young singers of her time and murdered Selena. So the way I'm going to do this episode is just going to be a little bit different. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Selena and then I'm going to talk about Yolanda and then I'm going to talk about exactly what happened. Um... We all know about Selena. We've all seen the J-Lo movie. We've all seen um, things about her over the years. And she was, and I've got to say this, the most beautiful, talented Tejano, Tejano star. And I think if she were still alive today, she would have become an amazing icon. She still is an icon today, but I think she would have become something fabulously amazing. So let's get on with it, right? So, Selena Cantania was born April 16th of 1971 to Abraham and Marcela Cantania. She was the youngest of three, um, had a, a brother and a sister. We know about A.B., um... And, oh, I can't think of her sister, her sister's name right off. Um, normally, I I know, but uh, Suzette, that's her sister. Uh, Selena's father, Abraham, had a past in the music. He had a little band when he was younger. Um, music stayed in his life, you know. Um, he realized pretty quickly that Selena had what it took to be a star. She had a beautiful voice. She loved music and started a band with the kids. Now, I'm going I'm to say this. As, as we all know, the kids were not exactly into being in a band. And it's not exactly what they wanted to do with their lives. But he went and bought the instruments and he's like, you guys are going to learn. Like, you guys are going to be something. You're going to make it. And he makes, the, makes Selena the star of Selena y los Dinos. And they go as far as playing in the family Mexican restaurant. Like, they play fairs. They play... I mean, you've seen the movies. Uh, there's also a new Netflix series um, with Christian Serratos that's from The Walking Dead. Um, which, she does a great job. Alright, I'm, I'm going to give her that. She does a really great job. Um, but as far as looks... Eh, J-Lo did a better job looking like Selena. Um... 
they both did a great job as far as the acting goes and as far as the, the show itself. Everything was wonderful. So um, the show goes into a lot more detail of her upbringing and how things happened and and everything. So if you haven't watched it and you're interested in this, definitely go watch it. It's 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 pretty amazing. Selena eventually becomes the queen of Tejano music um, and also called the Tejano version of Madonna <laughs> because... You know, single name, um, you know, being such a hit in the in the business. Uh, and she recorded her first LP uh, for Freddie Records. And by 1988, had released five more LPs. She was discovered by Rudy Trevino, the founder of the Tejano Music Awards, where she wins Female Vocalist of the Year in 1987. And again, for nine consecutive years after this. Selena releases her self-titled album, uh, debut album on October 17th of 1989. And in the same year, Coca-Cola wants her to become one of their spokespeople in Texas. The jingle is used in her first two commercials uh, for, for the company, um, which was actually composed by her brother, A.B., and her soon-to-be husband, Chris Perez. Uh, Chris actually joined Selena y Los Dinas several months earlier as the band's new guitarist. Now, Perez began having a very romantic feeling for Selena, despite having a girlfriend in San Antonio. Now, after a trip down to Mexico with the band, he thought it would be best for them to, you know, distance themselves from each other. But he found that pretty impossible and chose to try and build a relationship with Selena. They express their feelings for each other over the cutest pizza experience ever. <laughs> um, it was like the cutest little exchange. You know, we see the one in in uh, um, the movie, Selena with J-Lo, and, but it wasn't exactly quite like that. I mean, obviously, they took artistic license. But I want to say, like, just the idea, they're sitting there, they're eating over pizza, and he's just kind of like, you know I love you, right? You know? Um, I have an idea, and I may actually reach out to Chris himself and and ask kind of how that went down, exactly. Um, as far as I know, I haven't seen it specifically. I'm sure there are books that may chronicle that, exactly how it happened. Um, but I follow Chris on on Facebook, and I'll tell you a little bit more uh, about what he's doing um, when I'm done uh, at the end of this, okay? Um, but anyway, he, he expresses his feelings. She reciprocates the feelings. And they decide to hide the relationship from Abraham, fearing that he would try to break it up. Enter Yolanda Salivar. Yolanda was born September 19th of 1960 in, in San Antonio, Texas, the youngest of eight children of Frank and Juanita Saldivar. On March, uh, in March of 1991, she receives her license as a registered nurse uh, from the Texas Board of Nurse Examiners. And after attending one of Selena's concerts, she began calling Selena's father, Abraham, over and over again about wanting to start a fan club in San Antonio. Cue the stalker alert. Because she is consistently, over and over, calling and calling and calling. And finally, you know, Abraham's like, all right, fine, fine. Quit fucking calling me. 
I'll let you do the fan club. So he gives in. And she immediately is like, all right, so I'm fan club president. So (laughs) she's like, you know, jumping for joy that she's got this opportunity. So in 1991, um, and even was, you know, all this happened and, and she, she becomes this club president and even is later promoted as the manager of Selena's clothing boutiques, uh, when, when all this happens. Now she becomes very, very close friends with Selena, spending time with her, um, pretty often and really kind of like weaseling her way into that inner circle. In 1993, the fan club got over 1,500 followers. And shortly after, even grew to 5,000. So for one chapter of a fan club to receive that many, that I mean, that really shows how popular she was. That really shows how much Selena was loved. Now, for those who don't know... One of my daughters, her her name is Selena, and she was named after Selena Cantania. I was a huge, huge Selena fan, okay? Huge Selena fan. I kind of found more about her, like, right at the end of her, uh, of her career, like, right, right before she passed away is when I was a huge, huge fan. And so when she died, I was, I was devastated. Um, my sister, you know, and I... I don't know how much my sister remembers it, but I remember quite well um, hearing about her and her passing. So, Selena's sister, Suzette. At this point, I'm, again, I tried to do, the, do this kind of by a timeline a little bit. Um, so, I'm sorry if I kind of jump back and forth a little. Um, but Selena's sister, Suzette, finds Selena and Chris flirting with each other. And she informs Abraham because she was being the protective older sister that wanted to make sure that her sister wasn't throwing her life away. Her father had already kind of said, you know, just keep an eye on her. You know, if anything you think is going to get in the way of of her career and her happiness, you know, let me know. I need to know. So Abraham takes Chris off the bus, tells him his relationship with Selena is over. Um, but they continue the relationship despite what Abraham has told him and his disapproval. Now, Selena's mother, Marcella, was totally okay with this. She's like, no, I think he's a good guy. Like, he, he loves her. Like, they, they care about each other. You know, I don't see what the problem is. Abraham saw Selena and Chris romantically together on the bus one afternoon. Um, and he tells them, no, I'm not okay with this. You can't, you can't do this. He pulls over. On Big Bertha, because everybody knows about the giant bus. He pulls over, and there's an argument between Abraham and Selena. Pretty much stating, like, oh, well, I love him. I want to be with him. Like, you know, you can't tell me I can't. I'm an adult now. Like, and him saying, no, you're going to ruin your career. Like, you're going to, you're going to, you know, throw everything away for this guy. You know, so they have this big argument. He calls Chris a... And I quote, a cancer in my family. And threatened to disband the group if they continue the relationship. Now, Selena and Chris just absolutely relented. Um, Abraham goes as far as firing Chris from the band and prevents Selena from leaving with him. Like she, He's like, no, you're not, you're not going to go. He's got to go. Now, after this dismissal, Chris and Selena are 
still secretly continuing their relationship. They're hiding everything. Like, they're sneaking around. And on the morning of April 2nd, 1992, Selena and Chris decide to elope. They believe at that point that if they just do it, Abraham's just going to have to fucking get over it. Um, and just deal with it. Like, they knew that he would never approve of the relationship, but if, if they did this, he would just eventually have to accept it. Um, they were, then they wouldn't have to hide the feelings. Like, you know, they were just going to finally be able to be together and be happy. Now, within hours of their marriage, the media announced the couple's elopement. And Selena's family tries to find her. Like, it was a huge, huge ordeal. We see that kind of in the movie, um, where they find out, like, somebody found out they got married and alerted the media. Her parents didn't know, like, here, they're riding down, in the movie, they're riding down the road and they hear it on the radio and they're like, shit, now everybody knows, you know. Um, But they realize, shit, Abraham's not going to take this very well. And he doesn't. He even even alienates himself at some point. Like he recluses for a little while. So Selena and Chris move into, into an apartment in Corpus Christi. Um, and they live their lives. Like they're they're living their lives. I mean, she is Selena. She is who she is, and and that never escapes her. But she's able to actually be a wife for a, a while. She you know wants to start a family. You know, she wants to have everything that the, the normal girls have. Now, in interviews, Abraham expressed how he had actually feel, feared that Chris would be a um, maquista, which means a male chauvinist. So, a lot of times, and I'm, you know, I may get a little bit of flack for this, but a lot of times you see in Hispanic families, the men tend to be chauvinistic pigs. Like, they tend to be womanizers. They tend to um, expect the wife to stay home and do everything and and then be the breadwinners, bread you know. So, um, so that's what he was worried about. He was worried about seeing this. Now, it doesn't always happen, but it does happen with some of these communities. It does happen with some of the, some Hispanic men. Partly because that's how they were taught. Partly because that's what they grew up with. So, unfortunately, it does happen. Now, it doesn't happen with everybody, though. Um, no, and he, he, Eritor, uh, he accentuates his, his thought on this. Sorry, my words are kind of, um, I can't get the right word out. But he thought that Chris was going to force Selena to end her, her career and her music goals and, um, you know, that kind of kept Abraham from wanting to accept Chris as a suitable person for Selena at the time. Abraham later approaches Chris, Chris, apologizes, accepts the marriage, and accepts Chris back into the band. Now, Selena then starts her fashion venture, uh, while continuing the mu- music that she loved. In late 1994, EMI chairman Charles... Charles Copelman decides that Selena has achieved her goals with the Spanish-speaking market, and he wants to pr- promote her as an English-language solo pop artist. He continue, you know, she continues touring while EMI is like preparing her crossover album. Everybody knows about the crossover album. Everybody's heard about about her doing that. She engages 
um, Grammy Award winning composers. And by the time she performed, by this time, she performed the record breaking, sold out concert at the Houston Astrodome in February of 1995. This is that iconic, you know, Astrodome, you know, concert where she's in that beautiful, sparkly, purple, one piece, bell bottomed, gorgeous, like, I mean, it was just beautiful on her. And she designed that, you know, she had, she had a blast. Um, and work had already begun on that crossover album. In 1995, she made this beautiful cameo appearance in Don Juan de Marco with Marlon Brando, Johnny Depp, and Faye Dunaway. That is the funnest little movie. If you have, if you're a Johnny Depp fan, you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, you're living under a fucking rock. Don Juan de Marco is kind of this great little movie where Johnny Depp plays this this heartthrob um, Casanova who can drop panties just at, at the at the side of him. You know, I mean, it's just, it's really cute. And he talks about this woman that he was so in love with and, and consistently talks about this woman. So she has this cameo appearance. It's really, really cute. Marlon Brando's his... his a psychiatrist, um, you know, and he's pretty much living in this freaking crazy house. It's, it's, it's really cute. It's, it's funny. You should definitely watch it. Now, early 1994, um, Yolanda Saldivar is signed as a registered agent, um, for Selena and moves to Corpus, Corpus Christi to be closer to her. Now, in December of 1994, she stores, uh, or the stores that had actually started to suffer and staffing actually starts to decrease. And employees at the store are constantly complaining about Yolanda's behavior to Selena. Um, stating that, you know, she doesn't exactly treat her well. She's, you know, a little pissy. She's a little um, overbearing. Uh, and that, you know, she dismisses these claims saying, you know, no. Yolanda would not negatively impose erratic decisions on Selena's fashion venture. Like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, no, she's not going to do this. Now, according to Abraham, the staff later turns their attention to him um, and begins informing him about her behavior. Abraham doesn't like it. He takes it very, very seriously. And he tells Selena, you know, you got to be careful of Yolanda because she's doing something she's not supposed to be doing. She's doing something she's going she's gonna to impact you in a negative way says that Yolanda might not be a good influence. So Selena dismisses this. She's like, no, she's fine. She wouldn't do anything wrong. She's not going to hurt me. You know, you, you, you've got to believe me. Like, she would not do this kind of stuff to me. Uh, she cares too much. She's a friend. She's she's not just a business person. She's, she's also a friend. So, um, you know... <laughs> Again, she dismisses it. Um, you know, she... He often did not trust people. So this is why Selena kind of just was like, no, I'm, I'm sure things are going to be fine. I mean, obviously he didn't trust Chris and he eventually accepted Chris. You know, he, he had these issues with a lot of people. Um, by January of 1995, Selena's fashion designer, uh, Martin Gomez, her cousin, Deborah Ramirez... And some clients 
had expressed their concerns over Yolanda Saldivar's behavior and management skills. Now, during an interview with Yolanda in 1995, reporters from the Dallas Morning News said that her devotion to Selena borderlined an obsession. Obviously, you can kind of see that. When you see how much she did and how much she badgered Abraham to be this club president, she knew once she could get to this point that she would be able to rub elbows with her a little bit. She was obsessed with Selena. But what happens with a lot of these obsessions? You look at at some of these people who stalked celebrities because they were obsessed with them. You know, and then what happens? They go and they hurt the person or, you know, it gets very dramatic and, and someone winds up hurt. So they started seeing this. They started seeing that this was an issue. Now, unfortunately, there were issues with the fan club at this point. Fans started calling and writing to Abraham about, you know, not receiving products they were promised. So if they they sent in a fee to be part of this fan club and they were supposed to receive, you know, like a signed picture and a t-shirt or or something along these lines, then they should have gotten what they paid for. You know, you expect that. Back in those days, fan clubs were such a big thing. You'd get this signed picture, you'd get this, you'd get that. You know, you'd get little things for being part of these clubs. Well, that's what they expected. Now, in early 1995, it was discovered that Saldivar was embezzling money from the fan club and from the boutiques, and that she had embezzled more than $30,000 in forged checks from them. Now, Abraham was held, holding a meeting with Selena and Suzette on the night of Martin, March 9th at Q Productions to conf- confront um, Yolanda Saldivar. Now, Abraham presented um, to her with the inconsistencies about the disappeared funds and wanted to know what happened to them. And and he tells her that, you know, if you don't provide the evidence and, you know, provide us with these these records um, that tell me that I'm wrong, then I'm going to get the police involved. Like, like, show me that I'm wrong. Like, I want to give you the opportunity to show me. But it doesn't happen. Abraham bans her from having any kind of contact with Selena. However, Selena did not want to dissolve the, the friendship. She actually truly believed that Yolanda wanted nothing but the best for her and that she, there was no way in hell that, that Yolanda was going to do her wrong. Okay? She was too trusting of this person. Because, as you see, Selena was just a good person. She wanted to believe the best in everybody. She wanted to know that, you know, or, or believe that everyone was good. You know, she thought that Yolanda was essential to the success of the clothing clothing line in Mexico. Um, Selena also wanted to keep her close because she had the bank records, statements, financial records, um, any all of that stuff necessary for tax preps. And unfortunately, she got to the point where she said, you know, all right, fine, it's the first week of March and, you know, we got to fire you. I'm sorry. On the morning of March 31st, Selena agrees to meet Saldivar at the Days Inn Motel in Corpus Corpus Christi, Texas, where she was to retrieve financial records that she'd been holding and refusing to turn over before the state. She tells Selena, look, when I was in Mexico, I was raped. And I'm sorry I haven't gotten these to you sooner, but this has been taking a toll on me. So Selena comes to her and she's like, all right, fine, let's go to the hospital. She takes Yolanda to the hospital and says, you know, um, 
you know, we're going to take you. We're going to get you checked out. We're going to figure everything out. I'm going I'm to help you here. So she takes her to the hospital. However, they tell her since it happened in another country that um, they were to have the exam somewhere else. They do some work there. They, they you know, but some of the stuff they, they can't legally do there because it was done somewhere else. They then return to the motel where Selena says, you know, all right, I got to go. I got to go take these records to dad. Like, you got to, you got to give me this stuff. I got to have this stuff. So come on, where's it at? Um, you know, I got to go turn all this stuff in. We've got to, we've got to turn stuff in for tax reasons. We got to, you know, whatever. We've got to do our shit. Like, and I got to have this stuff. Well, so, you know, she's, she's talking till she's blue in the face Yolanda's not handing anything over, and at this point, you know, Yolanda then takes a 35 Taurus model 85 revolver um, and points it at Selena. Selena tries to get away, realizes, holy shit, you know, she's pulling a fucking gun on me. She's supposed to be my friend. She's supposed to be my trusted person, and she's pulling a gun on me, so she takes off. She goes to run and is shot in the back um, in the back, right, lower shoulder, severing an artery. Even though this wound is critical, her life is in jeopardy, she runs toward the lobby, leaving a 392-foot long trail of blood to the door of the motel for help. Yolanda follows her, and witnesses state that she is consistently standing there yelling at Selena and calling her a bitch. She collapses on the floor, Selena collapses on the floor, um, in the lobby as the clerk called 911. So there is um, footage where someone has actually gone. You can find, you can probably find it on YouTube or somewhere. But there is footage where you actually see someone take the route from the hotel room all the way to the lobby. 400 feet almost that she made it. She ran for her life. She ran for help. 392 foot long trail of blood to the motel lobby. When she collapses in the lobby, um, on the floor of the lobby. So the clerk calls 911. Selena was thankfully able to name Yolanda and give the room number where she had been shot at. So, she had enough in her to be able to do that. Yolanda, meanwhile, tries to actually jump in her pickup truck and take off. But thank God, she was spotted by responding police cruisers. She surrenders only after nine and a half hours, standing off with the police and the FBI. At this point, fans were even gathered around. The news of her death had already got out. Like, you know, everything. Like... Fans are all over the place, and they're weeping while they see Yolanda being taken away. Selena died en route to Corpus Christi Memorial Hospital, but the ER physician tried. Bless his heart, because he tried his damnedest to revive her. Cardiologist um, actually even continued to the treatment, and even even trip, excuse me, even tried to perform a surgery based on this. They were able to get get a heartbeat, but it was very erratic. Um, and they tried to get her to the trauma room, 
But after about 50 minutes of surgery, they realized that there was nothing she could do. There was nothing that the cardiologist could do. There was nothing that anybody could do. Um, her artery, I believe, was pretty much shredded by the bullet. So there was not a damn thing that they could do. And she died of blood loss and cardiac, cardiac arrest at 1.05 p.m. Now, the autopsy obviously was performed pretty immediately and it revealed that the bullet had actually entered her upper right back near the shoulder blade, passed through her chest cavity, and severed her right subclavian artery and exited through her upper right chest. On April 1st, a vigil was held. 3,000 fans attended, and it was announced that there would be a public viewing of her casket the following day. Fans lined up for almost a mile. Rumors of an empty casket prom prompted the family to have an open, open casket viewing where 30 to 40,000 fans passed her casket. More than 78,000 people signed a book of condolence to the family. I will say this much is that the family made sure that no photos or video or anything were going to be allowed at their request. Like, no, they didn't want anybody to exploit her. So, on April 3rd, 1995, 600 guests, mostly family members, attended the burial at Seaside Memorial Park in Corpus Christi, Texas. And a special mass on the same day drew over 4,000 people. Now we're going to get on to the trial. The trial was closely monitor monitored by the Latino community. But the trial was not televised. Um, this was something that, you know, they wanted a little bit more privacy. Um, there were, I believe, some pictures and there was um, coverage on on the news about the trial. But but it was not televised like, um, like we see other things in the media. Uh, the prosecutors were expe uh, expected to introduce controversial um, police confessions signed by Yolanda Salivar, at which she said that she shot Selena during an argument over accusations from the singer's father that Salivar stole money from Selena's accounts. The defense was expected to introduce testimony from Texas Ranger Robert Garza that he had, quote, overheard Salivar claim the shooting was accidental and that she objected when the police failed to include it in her statement. The defense attorney argued that the shooting was accidental, but the prosecution pointed out that Saldivar, a trained nurse, did not call 911 nor try to help Selena after she was shot. She claimed that the gun, quote-unquote, accidentally went off, but the gun was, uh, was said to require 11 pounds of pressure on the trigger to fire, and a fact this was a fact that led prosecutors to conclude that the gun could only have discharged if the trigger was intentionally pulled. The judge did not give the jury the option of lesser charges of manslaughter or negligent, neg negligent homicide and told the jurors that they must convict or acquit Saldivar on the sole charge of first-degree murder. Now, jurors deliberated for less than three hours on October 23, 1995, before finding Yolanda Saldivar guilty of first-degree murder. Three days later, on October 26, she was sentenced to life in prison 
with the possibility of parole in 30 years. And this was the maximum term allowed in Texas at the time. On November 22, 1995, she arrived at Gatesville Unit, um, now called Christina Melton Crane Unit, in Gatesville, Texas, to be processed. Yolanda is serving a life sentence at the Mountain View Unit in Gatesville, operated by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and she will become eligible for parole, get this, March 30th of 2025. They should have made it March 31st. They should make her sweat it out the extra day to where she comes out on the anniversary of her death and see how many people let her do this. Or not necessarily let her out, but she's eligible for parole. Maybe they did it the day before so that her court date will be on that date and they can say. But I hope they never they never let this little bitch out. I mean, she is a little troll. When you see her pictures, this woman is a troll. It's, ugh. She, she irritates the fuck out of me. Now, the revolver that was used to kill Selena disappeared after the trial, but was later found in a box of office supplies at the home of court reporter Sandra Obali. I think it's Obali or Obaye, um, who said that she didn't realize that she had the weapon. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. She knew she had that fucking thing hidden away. Don't tell me she was going to try and sell it on eBay or something so many years later and try and get some money out of it. I guarantee. I guarantee you. Now, despite the objections from some historical groups, the gun was dismantled and the pieces were thrown into Corpus, Corpus Christi Bay in 2002. Yolanda Saldivar has asked that the Texas a Court of Criminal Appeals accept the petition that challenges her conviction. She claims the petition was filed in 2000 with the 214th District Court, but was never sent to the higher court. Her request was received on March 31st of 2008, the 13th anniversary of Selena's death. Selena's murder had a widespread impact. And the reactions were actually compared to the deaths of John Lennon, Elvis Presley, JFK, and so on. Now, on April 12th of 1995, two weeks after her death, George W. Bush, governor of Texas at the time, later to become our one of our presidents, declared that her birthday, April 16th, was to be Selena Day in the state of Texas. He stated that Selena represented the essence of South Texas culture. Not exactly the biggest fan of W, but I gotta say, this was a pretty amazing thing that he did. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not living in Texas, this is something that on April 16th, I light a little candle for her and I think about her because my daughter's named after her. You know, I, I still listen to her music, and I still, you know, I almost started playing her music in the background on this, um, because she she really was an icon. She could have been something fabulous um, in today, in today. <laughs> uh, 
Um, now we all know the iconic JLo version of the of of Selena from 1997, and on August 30th of 2016, a wax statue of Selena was unveiled at the Madame Tussauds of Hollywood. In October of 2016, MAC Cosmetics released a limited edition Selena makeup line. After on air with Ryan Seacrest, senior producer Patty Rodriguez started a petition for the company to do so, and it garnered over 37,000 signatures. And I will say I was one of those because I truly believed that she should still have an impact in today's culture. Now, Google even honored Selena on October 17th of 2017 with a musical doodle of her life. And on December 11th, 2018, it was announced that a biographical television series based on her life, which was Selena the Series, would be released on Netflix. This was released in December of 2020. I watched it. I binged the whole damn thing in like two days. And this is when Christian Serratos um, played Selena. The the two-part series is being done with the anticipation of the Cantania family. Um, And Forever 21 actually announced the launch of a clothing line celebrating her legacy. Named Selena the White Rose Collection. And that was released in 2019. So, I want to... At this point, because I'm at the end of my notes, I do just want to mention Chris a little bit here. Um, again, I follow him on Facebook. He's fabulous, just phenomenal person. Um, and he still, like, it was, I believe, maybe last year, the year before. He still, I don't think, can make it through the Selena movie the entire way through. I think he tried to um, this last, you know, that last year at some point, but I don't think he, I I think he still turned it off before the end because he couldn't go through that. Um, But he has gone on, he's got a couple of kids now. Uh, One, he has a son who has Down syndrome that is just the most precious boy. He's a beautiful boy. Um, he's a loving, doting father. You know, his, his daughter plays, you know, instruments just like he does. He still plays. He guest, does guest appearances with some, uh, bands and stuff. And he, he's been doing some really amazing stuff. Um, and even recently, I think it was just, it might've been a couple of months back. He posted something about a, um, uh, hot sauce that he's been making and, or salsa or something like that. So, you know, find him on Facebook, check him out, follow him. He's he's just an amazing soul and he still te- talks about her. I mean, he was she was the love of his life. You know, he still just states how she was just amazing and fabulous and how much he loved her. And I and I really feel feel for him. He he's a really wonderful person. So, um maybe I might reach out at some point and see if I can get um, an interview or, or something like that with him. I think it would be, be pretty awesome if I can just get a couple of, uh, questions answered, but 
Um, again, this one was a little bit of a shorter episode uh, from my normal hour ones um, or longer. <laughs> um, but I do want to kind of give you guys a heads up on the next couple of episodes are all going to be for the same case. Again, I mentioned before it would be um, something very iconic, something very... Um, controversial, I guess I could say, um, that's got a lot of questions surrounding it. So be prepared because, um, it's, it's going to be a big one. Um, there's going to be quite a few, I think there's four or five episodes or see, or I, I want to say seasons. Uh, there's a couple of cases that are going to take probably three or four episodes to get through. Um, just for an idea, I'm not going to mention this specific one because I want it to be a nice big surprise when you guys actually listen that day uh, when you see the name pop up. Um, but eventually I'll get into the Manson murders. Eventually I'll get into like the conspiracies and things around JFK. Um, Jack the Ripper is going to be a nice big long one. I mentioned that in one of the first episodes that I did. And it's it's really going to be um, something that, that resonates with me because this is someone that, you know, helped shape me, um, and just, just a really wonderful, amazing, amazing, amazing person that was, um, brought down too soon. Um, so if you have any guesses on who it might be before Wednesday, I'm going to, I'm going to put something up on Facebook and, you know, or before, would it be Saturday? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, I had to think about what day this was going to air. So, um, but, you know, just to get you guys, you know, thinking about it, if you have any guesses on on what this giant case is going to be, hit me up on SerialWithOutMeMoms at gmail.com or send me a message on Facebook. Uh, send me a message um, through Instagram off of some of my posts there. Um, however you want to handle that, totally fine. Um, I'd like to see what everybody's guess is. And hell, it might be a case that I don't have listed that I need to cover. So your guesses are not exactly going to be wrong per se. Just not necessarily timed for this, this next one. So um, again, I hope you guys enjoyed Please get a hold of me. Like I love, I love hearing from a few of you guys. I have heard heard from a couple of you, um, and it it really just kind of warms my heart that I actually have listeners. So, because uh, there are days that I'm like, I I swear I don't have anybody listening. Like nobody gives a crap. Like, <laughs> um, I really hope you guys are enjoying. So, I will see you guys on the next one. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>